ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله Verily the praise belongs to Allah We praise Him Seek His assistance and forgiveness And we seek refuge in Allah from the evil of ourselves And the evil consequences of our deeds Whoever Allah guides, there is no one that can lead him astray And whoever Allah leads astray, there is no one that can guide him I bear witness that nothing deserves to be worshipped except Allah alone And that He has no partners or associates And I bear witness that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is his slave servant and his messenger. <clears throat> This evening, Bidhanillahi ta'ala, uh, after the completion of the book Al-Ma'arifah fi ulum al-Hadith, or an introduction to the science, or the sciences of Hadith by Shaykh Suhaib, Hassan Abdul Ghaffar, Hafidhullah, may Allah protect and preserve him. Uh, we'd like to begin tonight and for the next few weeks to review some of the important terminology that we have studied related to the science of Mustalah Hadith, Mustalah Hadith, or the classifications of Hadith uh, according to various factors such as the number of narrators in each level or the defects in the hadith due to the weakness in memory or defect in character of the reporters or due to breaks in the chain or otherwise uh, and Mustala hadith as we said in the introduction is very important and the benefit of the knowledge of Mustala hadith is that Through this knowledge we are able to know uh, which reports or narrations that have been transmitted to us from the Prophet ﷺ are to be considered as authentic or sahih and those which are to be, to be considered as weak or da'if and so on. Uh, today, just quickly, I would like to summarize the introductory points that we took in the first lecture as well as the overview of the second lecture just quickly and then uh, to look at the a couple of hadith and what has been said about these hadith concerning their authenticity or the absence of it. The first thing that we said related to Mustalah hadith uh, is that one of the reasons for the importance of Mustalah hadith is due to the importance of the sunnah in Islam, the importance of the sunnah. And the sunnah or the way of the Prophet wasallam, which includes his speech, his actions and his approvals. It is transmitted primarily through the body of literature known as hadith. So Mustalah hadith enables us to understand the classifications of the scholars and their rulings concerning whether or not these reports or transmissions or narratives are to be accepted or rejected. And we said that the sciences of hadith in general might be divided into a number of categories from amongst them is that which related to al-mutun the mutun or the text the text of hadith the uh, reports the wording of the reports of hadith from the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam including his sayings actions and approvals the mutun actually deals with looking at the books in which the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ were collected. Merely looking at or the reading of and studying of or memorization of the text of the hadith themselves. 
Along with this is another division directly related to it. It is Ash-Shuruh. Ash-Shuruh. And the Shuruh is the plural of Sharh, meaning the explanation. The explanation of those hadith which have been collected and transmitted from the first generation of Sahaba radiallahu anhum ajma'een on down until our time. These two, the Mutun texts of hadith and shuru explanations of it, are well known and most of the Muslims have some connection or relation to these two divisions because most of the Muslims have some hadith and either in small books such as 40 hadith or Riyadh al-Salihin or other books such as Umdut al-Ahkam, bigger books such as Bukhari and Muslim and so on, the people have some relation to these two divisions because most of the people have some hadith. As for the shuruh, usually you will find in all of the Muslim countries those people who give some attention to understanding and the explanation of the text of hadith and this is contained in the books where the texts have been explained such as the explanation of Sahih al-Bukhari by al-Hafidh ibn Hajj al-Asqalani al-Bari or the explanation of al-Imam al-Nawi rahimahullah of the Sahih al-Muslim and so on these books giving explanations of the hadith are also very very important and in fact <coughs> we shouldn't Imagine that it is sufficient just to read the books containing the text of hadith without knowing what the scholars have said about the explanation of it. Uh, then, that which is less known, the two categories that we discussed which are not equally known are the category of al-mustalah, which we studied in this course, the technical classifications of hadith, how the hadith are classified and, uh, and determined to be authentic or otherwise. And directly related to this is At-Takhreej or Ar-Rijal. At-Takhreej deals with the extraction and identification of the sources of hadith. The extraction of the hadith and the identification of the sources where they are extracted from. Uh, whereas Ar-Rijal, which is the plural of Rajul. Ar-Rijal means the men, the reporters, the narrators. It deals with the identification and critical classification of the narrators of hadith. So these two are very very important, Mustalah Hadith, the technical terminologies which are used for the classification of Hadith and the Takhreej and Rijal, the extraction of the Hadith from their sources and identification of their sources and the critical classification of the reporters. Because through the classification of these reporters we are able to determine to a great extent whether or not a Hadith based on its isnad or chain of narratives, whether or not it is accepted or rejected. so this is يعني, a brief overview of some of the important divisions of the sciences of hadith and then we took the basic terminology such as ilm al-mustalah and we said that ilm al-mustalah or the knowledge of mustalah it is the knowledge of the principles and rules by which the condition or state of the isnad, the chain of narratives and the metin, the text, the rules and principles by which the condition of the chain of narratives and the text may be known in reference to its acceptance or rejection. So Mustalah Hadith deals with principles and rules and through these principles we are able to determine uh, the condition of the Isnad, the chain of narratives, who it contains and what is the condition of those narratives as well as the text of the Hadith in order to determine whether or not it is acceptable. Uh, Then we said the subject of Mustalah Hadith it deals with both with two things, the isnad or senad, the chain of narratives as well as the metin, the text of what has been reported, the actual text, the words, or the report of the action, or uh, approval of the Prophet ﷺ of something that was done in his presence or that he came to know about, and he approved of it or disapproved of it. So the important thing that Musa hadith deals with, it has two, two aspects, the chain of narratives, the senad or isnad, and the metin, the text. The text is what is reported to us, and the senad is the means through which it is passed down to us. Then we said the benefit of this science and still hadith is the distinction between the hadith which are authentic from those which are unauthentic or weak. Then we took some basic terminologies. These terminologies you should review uh, 
for, yani, whoever doesn't have any of the handouts that were passed out during the time of the course, please make sure that you remind me and let me know which ones you need. Uh, and we'll try to, you know, provide you with them. So at least, and it will be easier to follow along with us. The terminology that we talked about, hadith, al-hadith, al-khabr, al-asr, al-isnad, al-sanad, al-matin, al-musnad, al-muhaddath, al-hafiz, and al-hakim. The important terminologies here, the most important of them is the sanad and the matin. The sanad is the chain of narrative, and the matin is the text of what is transmitted. And the other important terminologies, which are, يعني, just good to be aware of, it is al-hadith, al-khabr, and al-athar. And what is the difference between these terminologies? Because the meaning of them, as we said, are very close. Uh, so it's good to understand these three terminologies. Al-hadith, technically, is that which is attributed to the Prophet ﷺ from his words, actions, or approvals. Al-hadith refers to the sayings or actions or approvals of the Prophet ﷺ. Whereas al-khabr, it has more than one meaning. Linguistically, it means news or information, and technically, it is one of the meanings of al-khabr is the same as hadith. Some of the scholars use al-khabr to mean the sayings of the Prophet ﷺ, just like we use hadith, the exact same way. But some said, no, al-khabr is to refer to something which is reported from other than the Prophet. Yani, they said, some of them made a distinction, said, al-hadith refers to that which is attributed to the Prophet, and al-khabr refers to reports which are attributed to other than the Prophet. So one of them is used for the Prophet, al-hadith, and the other is used for any other report that's not from him, al-khabr. And a third definition, some said that al-khabr includes that which is reported from the Prophet and others. So there are three definitions for al-khabr. Some of the scholars said it means the same as hadith, that which is attributed to the Prophet. Some of them said it's completely different from hadith, it means that which is attributed to other than the Prophet. And some of them said it's general, it includes reports that are attributed to the Prophet as well as reports which are attributed to other than him. And in any case, it's good to be aware of this, and all of this, inshallah, you can refer back to your handout that we gave in the first introductory lection, lecture, and uh, whoever doesn't have it, inshallah, will make a copy of it. Whereas, al-athar, linguistically means the remains or remnants of something, and technically it means the same as hadith, yani, al-athar is also used interchangeably with al-hadith just as al-khabr by some of the scholars used interchangeably to mean the same thing, to mean that which is attributed to the Prophet ﷺ where some of the scholars said al-athar means the things and actions which is reported from other than the Prophet, yani from the Sahaba or the Tabi'een. So you see that al-athar and al-khabr share the first two meanings. Al-athar and al-khabr share the first two meanings. Both of them are sometimes applicable to the sayings of the Prophet just like hadith and some said no, khabr and athar is applied to that which is reported from other than the Prophet ﷺ, whereas khabr has a third meaning, general, that which is attributed to the Prophet and others, whereas al-athar only has these two meanings. Either some of the scholars used it to refer to that which is reported from the Prophet ﷺ, and some said no, it's used to refer to that which is reported from other than him, from the Sahaba and the Tabi'een. So they say the athar, or the narrations or reports, meaning that which is transmitted to us from the Sahaba, or that which is transmitted to us from the Tabi'een or those who came after them, it is commonly referred to as al-athar, or al-athar, the singular. In any case, just a general understanding of these terminologies is important to have some idea. When you see some of the scholars say al-khabr or al-athar, you should have some idea what it means. Sometimes they use it to mean the same as hadith that was reported from the Prophet ﷺ, and sometimes they use it to refer to the opposite of that, yani that which is re- reported from other than the Messenger of Allah Uh Then, uh, we also talked about, yani, in brief, we mentioned, and later we went into detail, some of the things that we would cover related to Mustalah Hadith. One of the categories that we talked about is that which, the classification of Hadith relating to the number of narrators or reporters at each level of the chain. Yani, the chain of narrators, the Isnad or the Sanad, when we look at every level, the level of Sahaba or Tabi'een 
or the students of the Tabi'een, Atba'a Tabi'een, we said that depending on how many people were on that same level who reported on any particular level, depending on the number, the hadith may be classified as two general categories, mutawatir and ahad. Two categories, al-mutawatir and al-ahad. Al-mutawatir means those which on every level have a large number of reporters. A large number of reporters. This is called mutawatir. The number is not agreed upon. Some said 7, 10, uh, 40, 50 and so on. The important thing is that a mutawatir hadith should be hadith that has a large number of narrators on every level. Such that it is impossible for them to have conspired to come together to fabricate a lie. And therefore the mutawatir hadith is accepted as authentic. If it's really reported mutawatir, it's accepted as authentic without consideration of the weakness or strength of any of the narrators in the chain. Because so many people reported it on every level, no need to worry about it. If somebody, if one of the reporters was weak, there are so many other people in the same level who were strong. So you don't have to consider this as you do in the second category, Al-Ahad. Al-Ahad hadith is what we are primarily talking about when we talk about determining the authenticity or weakness of a hadith. We are talking about those hadith which are not mutawakir. Those hadith which are Ahad. And we said that Ahad is divided into three categories. Mashhur, Aziz, and Gharib. Al-Mashhur are those hadith whose chain has at least on every level, the least number on any level should be three, three or more. With Aziz, the least number on every level should be two or more. And Gharib, the least number on every level is one. And if on any level there was only one narrator, though on the other levels there were many, then we consider the least number on any level, and if the least number was one, then that hadith is Gharib. And we talked about this in detail, Gharib, Nisbi, and Gharib, Mutlaq, and we won't talk about that now, but the point is that these are two major categories related to the number of the narrators on any particular level. Now we talked about that which is related to the acceptance or rejection of a particular hadith, and we said that the hadith here are divided into al-khabr, al-mardud, and al-qabr, al-maqbool. Al-qabr al-maqbool means those hadith which are accepted, whether it's from Hassan or Sahih. All of this is maqbool, is acceptable. Whereas the mardud is that which is rejected. It could be da'if, weak, or very weak, or fabricated, and so on. All of those hadith which are rejected come under al mardud. And we said that under the maqbool, it is sahih and hasan. And both sahih and hasan, we said, are classified into two categories, right? Sahih, and sahih, sahih, means the hadith. The chain of narrators is strong. It reached the level of sahih or authentic on its own without supporting other, any other chains which support it. It's sahih by itself. That one chain, if you looked at it, you said it has a complete chain and all of the narrators are strong, reliable, trustworthy reporters who have good character and good memory, accurate in reporting. So that's sahih lizatihi. And it means literally sahih lizatihi, it means it's sahih by itself, on its own. Whereas sahih li ghayrihi means, ghayrihi means other than it. It's sahih because of other narrations which are reporting the same information, either exactly or in meaning, and therefore it's raised up when it's strengthened. Uh, this is sahih li ghayrihi. Sahih li ghayrihi means the hadith is actually originally of a lesser level, hasan, but because it has supporting evidence, it's raised up to sahih. And the same thing with hasan is divided into two, Groups Hassan Lizati and Hassan Lirayri. Hassan Lizati means the isnad or chain of narrative by itself is, what is, is, is strong. Even though one or more of the narratives, their memory is not perfect. But they have a good memory, but not as strong as the Sahih narratives. So for that reason, we said the hadith is Hassan. Hassan Lizati. That's the hadith which, when it's supported by other chains, is raised up to Sahih Lirayri. Then there's also Hassan Lirayrihi. Hassan Lirayrihi means that it became Hassan because of Ghayrihi, other chains which support it, and therefore it's raised up to Hassan. But we say it's Hassan Lirayrihi. Sometimes they said Hassan bi majmu'a turq, because of many, a collection of other chains supporting it, then it became Hassan. But that hadith, which is Hassan Lirayrihi, is originally what? Da'if. It's originally Da'if. 
but only the da'if hadith can be raised to Hassan al the da'if hadith which has a minor defect, a minor defect, not a major defect. If the hadith is da'if because it has a, 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 a reporter who, is, who has been proven to lie on the Prophet Kedzab, or one who has been accused of lying, or other serious defects, then those hadith cannot be raised up. They will remain yani, rejected. Uh, then we say also related to the rejected hadith that there are many categories of rejected hadith but what we talked about here is three points two of them are of the utmost importance we said that a hadith can be rejected for two reasons one of them is related to the chain the chain is not complete it has a missing link or more than one missing link Whenever it has a break in the chain or missing link, we don't know who that reporter is or those reporters. If even only one reporter is missing, the chain is broken, we don't know who it is, the hadith is daif because that one who is missing, he could be a reliable reporter, he could be an unreliable reporter. So, in order to preserve the sharia, which is based upon the Quran and sunnah, then we cannot accept something as being from the Prophet unless we are sure that it is reliably reported to us. So whenever there's a break, the hadith is automatically rejected. And the breaks and chains we said are many. Can be broken in the, mid- in the beginning of the chain, in the middle of the chain, on the end of the chain. Can have one broke, one break, or can have two con- uh, consecutively, or two in separate places. All of these have terminologies. Mu'allaq, Mursal, Mu'adal, and so on. Uh, the other point that a hadith may be classified as weak due to it, it is due to a criticism of any one or more of the reporters themselves. And the chain can be complete, but one of the reporters, or more than one, has been criticized. And that criticism is usually for two, one of two reasons. One, because of his accuracy or precision in reporting. His memory, was he accurate in reporting what he heard or not? And the other reason is his character. Was he of good character or not? Was he of the people of Sunnah, or the people of Bid'ah? Was he known to be moral or immoral and so on like this? The character as well as the accuracy in reporting the memory. These two factors a narrator would be criticized for. A third point, which is also important, but it's not the significant reason for the rejection or acceptance of a hadith, is a jahala. That means when there's a narrator who has not been certified as being a good reporter. He has not been criticized, nor has he been certified. We don't know. Is he of accurate memory or not? We don't know. Is he of good character or not? We don't know. And we said that those reporters who fall in this category are primarily of two types. Majhul al-Ain and Majhul al-Hal. Majhul al-Ain and Majhul al-Hal. Majhul means unknown. But here, unknown doesn't mean the person is unknown. We said that both types of of Chihala, Majhul, both of them, the person is known. We know his name. We know his father's name. We know something about him. But what is unknown is his reliability. And his accuracy in reporting or his character is unknown. Majhul al-Ain, which is the weakest of the two, it means that that person was not known for narrating hadith. Only one person has reported hadith from him. And nobody else. There's no record of anybody else reporting from him except one person. And that person didn't certify him. Didn't say that he was accurate in his reporting or in his memory or in his character and so on. There's, there's no credibility given to him. So we know who he is, but we don't know about his credibility. So that person is called Majhul Al-Ain. The other one, which is a little bit يعني, stronger, is Majhul Al-Hal which means that two or more people reported from him. Two or more. At least two or more reported from him. But none of those people certified him either. So also, we don't know about his accuracy and memory, nor about his character. Okay, so both of them would be rejected, though Majhul al-Hal, the one who two or more people narrated from him, it is possible, if other supporting evidences come into play, it's possible that his hadith could be accepted. Especially... If, we, if the scholars compared his hadith to others who narrated similar things and they find that his reports are in accordance or in agreement with what other people narrated then this suggests to us that he was accurate in narrating though we don't really have anybody to certify him 
So these are two categories that are of utmost importance. And we will come across it a lot in discussions of weakness of hadith that a person is majhul. Majhul al-ayn or majhul al-hal. Uh, and there's a third category, I don't remember if we discussed it, mastur, uh, which is similar to majhul al-hal, except that some scholars made a distinction between them. Some of them included them together and some said that the distinction between majhul uh, al-hal and al-mastur is that majhul al-hal, though two or more people narrated from him, we don't know anything about his character or his accuracy. Meaning, we don't know about his inner character, nor his outward character. But Mastur, we don't know his inner character, we don't know him, I mean, nobody certified him as really being a good person, but we know something about him. The outward show of Islam is there. The people know that he used to go to the masjid and pray, and they know he used to fast, and they didn't see him doing any evil or immoral things openly, but still nobody certified him. So he's a little bit higher, because at least his outward appearance of morality is there. Though we don't know really any about his secret or you know, inner condition, and we don't know about his accuracy in reporting. So this is, yani, these are some of the things that we talked about there. Uh, then we also talked about classification hadith based on the authority from whom the hadith is reported. And we said, that these categories, the primary categories, are three. Marfu'un, and it, based on who the text or the saying or the action is reported from, who is it attributed to? Is it a statement of the Prophet ﷺ, or a statement of Sahabi, or a statement of Tabi, student of Sahaba, or so on? Okay? If it is a statement from the Prophet ﷺ, we said this is Marfu'un, yani from Rafa'ah means to raise up. It is attributed all the way up to the Prophet ﷺ. This is called Marfu'un. If it is not attributed to the Prophet, but stopped as Sahabi, yani that a Sahabi made a statement. He said that Ali ibn Abi Talib anhu said something. And he didn't attribute it to the Prophet ﷺ. We said this is Mawquf, 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 Waqf, Waqafa, yani stop. At the Sahabi, that's mawkuf. And whenever we see somebody said that this is a khabr, mawkuf, is mawkuf, then we know that it has a different uh, category or status because it's not a statement of the Messenger of Allah, but it's a statement of Sahabi. And although the statements of Sahabi have weight, but obviously the statement of a Sahabi is not on the same category or carry the weight of a statement, the statement of the Prophet ﷺ because the sayings of the Prophet ﷺ are revelation a revelation as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said وَمَا يَنْتِقُوا عَنِ الْهَوَى إِنْ هُوَ إِلَّا يُوحَى so the Prophet ﷺ he doesn't speak from his own self it is but revelation that is revealed what he says and what he offered to the people of guidance and instruction and so on it is revelation either the exact words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the Quran or that which is not part of the Qur'an, the Sunnah. And the Sunnah is a type of revelation. So, if it is attributed to the Prophet, we say it's Marfu'an. If it's attributed to Sahabi, it's Mawkuf. And if it's attributed to those who are after them, the Tabi'een and so on, it's Maktu'ah, from Qata'a, to be cut off. Okay? And if it's attributed to the Prophet, to Allah, if the Prophet said that, this is what I narrate you from, from, from your Lord, from my Lord, from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and this is Qudsi. Now, and, and what we are trying to do, how much time is left before the Ikhama? We are just trying to look at some of the categories that we talked about. How much time is left before the Adhan? Approximately. Okay. Let's look at the Hadith. This this last point here. Categories of Hadith which may be accepted or rejected. That is the Musnad and Muttasil. Yani Musnad hadith, a Musnad hadith, it has two uh, descriptions. Number one, it should be Marfu'an, attributed to the Prophet and it should be Muttasil, complete chain, unbroken chain. If it is Muttasil, with an unbroken chain, and Marfu'an, attributed to the Prophet this is called Musnad, a Musnad hadith. Whereas muttasal, it means it has a complete chain, but it doesn't necessarily go back to the Prophet Yani a hadith could have a complete chain, but it stopped at a sahabi. So it's mawkuf, even though 
It's mutasal. Even though it has a complete chain, but it's mawkuf, stopping at a sahabi. So there's a difference between a hadith that is mutasal, has a complete chain, and that which has a complete chain going all the way back to the Prophet, وسلم, which is musnad. Okay, this is what we talked about. Then we talked about yani, the brief history of Mustalah Hadith and other such matters, um, which yani, we won't go into those things today. But we talked about a number of things yani, related to Mustalah Hadith and the narratives or reporters of Hadith and the books related to the reporters of Hadith and things like this. We talked about them in some detail. What I want to do now is look at a couple of hadith and keep in mind that the terminologies that we study in the book of Sheikh Suhaib Hassan, those terminologies should help us to understand the discussions of hadith that we find in the books of Sharh, the Sharh of Hadith, when the books of Fiqh, the books of Fiqh, when they uh, declare something to be haram or something to be wajib or otherwise they have to bring a proof and that proof might be an ayah from Quran or hadith or other secondary sources if it's a hadith then mustalah hadith becomes very important because we have to ask the question is the hadith sahih is it hasan is it da'if is it mawdu'ah and when the scholars start to discuss these categories they talk about uh, the authenticity or the absence of it with terminologies that are generally unknown to the people. And this is the benefit of Mustalah Hadith. So one of the hadith that we want to take is from the book of Sheikh Muhammad Nasruddin Al-Albani, Irwa' Al-Ghalil, Al-Takhreej, Hadith Manar Al-Sadil. And this hadith, or this book, is a very important book in which the Sheikh, Rahimahullah, has offered many, many important points of discussion related to the hadith of Manar Al-Sadil, which is a book of fiqh including so many hadith and he discussed each of those hadith the takhreej of the hadith meaning that he went back <coughs> to identify the sources of the hadith where it was reported at as well as the rijal of the chains of narrators who are they and what are their conditions of reliability or the lack of it and then determining whether or not that hadith should be accepted or rejected based on this study so one of the hadith that the shaykh mentions uh, in the first volume of Irwa al-Ghalil um, Naam, hadith number five. Hadith number five is the saying of the Prophet Al-Bakhil, man dhukirtu indahu falam yusalli alayya. Al-Bakhil, man dhukirtu indahu falam yusalli alayya. The Bakhil, the stingy person, is the one who, when I am mentioned in his presence, he doesn't offer prayers upon me. He doesn't say, Allahumma salli ala Muhammad. Al-Bakhil is not the person who is stingy with their money, who doesn't help the poor and needy. But worse than that, Bakhil is the Bakhil who when the Prophet wasallam is mentioned, they don't pray for him. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala orders in the Quran, إِنَّ اللَّهَ وَمَلَائِكَتَهُ يُصَلُّونَ عَلَى النَّبِيهِ That Allah and His Messenger make salat. يعني the dua of salat on the Prophet وسلم, So all you who believe, I order you to make salat and salam on the Prophet So this is an obligation on the Muslim to ask Allah his salat which has the best opinion of the scholars concerning what is the salat on the Prophet It means that, the, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala praised the Prophet in the highest assembly of the angels and salam, it means that the dua asking that the Prophet ﷺ be saved from any harm or defect in this world as well as in the next life. This hadith, the Shaykh says, it is sahih. And his yani, minhaj in this book is that whenever he mentioned the hadith, he used to say the hadith if he considered it to be sahih or hasan or da'if or whatever, and then he will mention the places where the hadith was reported and then the discussion concerning that hadith. So he says this hadith is sahih, it is reported by a tirmidhi and he mentions the volume and page number for that hadith in a tirmidhi volume 2 page 271 and also Ahmed in his musnad 
volume and page number Al-Tabarani in Al-Mu'jam Al-Kabir and Al-Imam Al-Tabarani Allah, had a number of books of hadith from amongst them is Al-Mu'jam Al-Kabir Al-Awsad Al-Sagheer three major books of hadith the Mu'jam Kabir and the middle one Al-Awsad and the Sagheer the little one where he collected the hadith of many of his shuyukh and so many of the scholars then he says Wa'ismail Al-Qabi also collected this hadith in his book Fadl Al-Salat Al-Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and Ibn Sunni Fi Amal Al-Yawm Wal-Layla Hadith number 376 Al-Hakam Yani in his Mustadraq Imam Hakam in his Mustadraq Bayan and page number An Hussain Ibn Ali Radiyallahu Anhuma Marfu'an This hadith is reported by who? At-Tirmidhi, Ahmed, Tabarani and so on All of these scholars From Hussain Ibn Ali Radiyallahu Anhuma And Hussain the son of Ali May Allah be pleased with both of them Marfu'an Hadith is reported from Hussein ibn Ali, Marfu'an, meaning what? Right, attributing it to the Prophet ﷺ, raised to the Prophet. وقال الترمذي, الترمذي said concerning this hadith, hadith Hassan Sahih. Al-Tirmidhi said in his sunan, the sunan al-Tirmidhi, when he reported this hadith, Al-Tirmidhi said, hadith Hassan Sahih. Hadith Hassan Sahih is a terminology that was pretty much peculiar to Al-Imam Al-Tirmidhi, rahimahullah, and the scholars differed because Imam Tirmidhi didn't explain exactly what did he mean by this terminology and the two yani, strongest opinions concerning what he means by that as mentioned by Al-Hafiz ibn Hajr al-Skalani and many of the scholars came later is that it has one of two meanings Hassan Sahih it means that that hadith it has at least two chains of narrators one of them is Hassan and the other is Sahih so he said he used both of these terminologies the hadith is Hassan Sahih the other scholars said that that's applicable except in the case where the hadith that a Tirmidhi narrates and it only has one chain there's only one chain there's no other chain for it so how can he say Hassan Sahih in that case they said that the meaning of it is that one or more of the narratives in that one chain was differed about by the scholars some of the scholars said that that narrator was on the level of the Sahih hadith and his hadith was on the level of Sahih and some of the other scholars said no he's not on that level he's on a lower level on the level of Hassan so because the scholars differed, some said that his hadith was sahih and some said his hadith hasan. At-Tirmidhi said this hadith is hasan sahih. Yani meaning it has two considerations. Then he said, Shaykh al-Albani rahimahullah said that Imam al-Hakam said concerning this hadith sahih al-Isnad. Sahih al-Isnad. Sahih is sahih in consideration of its chain of narrators. And sahih al-Isnad is different from saying sahih. Sahih al-Isnad means that the apparent yani, judgment on the chain of narratives is that it's Sahih. It has a complete chain and the narratives all seem to be authentic. But that's a little less than saying the hadith is Sahih. Because it's possible that a hadith can have a Sahih Isnad. Yani, apparently, it looks like it's a complete chain, the narratives all seem to be good, but there could be a hidden defect for which the hadith might be rejected. So when Al-Hakim said Sahih al-Isnad, it's not equal to saying the hadith is Sahih. Because when you say Sahih, it's like there's nothing left in consideration of the hadith. But when you say Sahih al-Isnad, then there's a possibility that there could be a hidden defect. He's not taking that into consideration. He's just saying on the surface, it appears to be Sahih related to his chain of narratives. So Al-Hakim said Sahih al-Isnad, وَوَافَقَهُ الزَّهَبِي Al-Imam al-Zahabi, rahimahullah, one of the great scholars of hadith, and he was one of the foremost students of Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah, Imam al-Zahabi also did a checking of the mustadrak of al-Hakim and he used to check behind each hadith and used to either agree with al-Hakim he used to agree with him that what he said was correct that that hadith was really sahih or whatever or sometimes he used to differ with him and say no, al-Hakim is wrong here that hadith is really not sahih because there was a defect or whatever in it in this case al-Zahabi said it, it, it is mentioned that al-Zahabi agreed with Hakim on this hadith that it is sahih al-Islam Shaykh al-Bani rahimahullah says Rijalahu thiqat ma'rufun That the narrators, the rijal, the narrators of the isnad in this hadith They are thiqat, they are well-known trustworthy reporters They are thiqat trustworthy and ma'rufun known yani Their accuracy and their character is known Other than Abdullah ibn Ali Hafiz al-Husayn radiallahu anhu yani The narrators in this chain are all good trustworthy narrators Except Abdullah, the son of Ali the grandson of Hussein. He, this narrator, Shaykh al-Bani said that he has been certified by Ibn Hibban alone. 
Ibn Hibban. And you remember we said that the books of authentic hadith are many, not only Bukhari and Muslim, but there's also the Sahih of Ibn Hibban, the Sahih of Ibn Khuzayma, the Mustadraq of Al-Hasim, and so on, so many other books. But Ibn Hibban was known to sometimes certify narrators which didn't deserve to be certified as reliable or trustworthy. So one of the rules of the scholars of hadith is that when Ibn Hibban, rahimahullah, said that somebody was thicker, he was trustworthy or reliable, and he was the only one who certified him, then his certification is questionable. So when we find that he's the only one who certified him, then that's not really a completely acceptable certification from Ibn Hibban. So here the Shaykh says that the questionable one is Abdul ibn Ali, because he has only been certified by Ibn Hibban. But a number of scholars, and a group of scholars reported from him, and meaning that more than two or more, so many people narrated from him, and this and kind of gives him some weight when a number of scholars reported from him. But uh, there is some difference concerning him in this isnad uh, as reported by different people. However, the Sheikh says, in spite of that, al-hadith sahih. The hadith is sahih, shahidain, because it has two shahid. Remember we said that a hadith can be raised up as supporting evidence, mutabi'ah or shahid. Here the Shaykh said that this hadith, though there is some question about one of the narratives, Ali ibn Hussain, who has only been certified by Ibn Hibban, but yet because it's supported, when we have other supporting narrations, other chains which yani, reports us the same information, then this removes the doubt from that one who only has a slight weakness. In this case, only a slight weakness, because he hasn't been certified by the strongest scholars, he's only been certified by Ibn Hibban. However, there are two supporting reports. One of them is from Abu Dhar, radiyallahu anhu, Abu Dhar radiyallahu anhu, a sahabi, and the other is from Al-Hasan, Al-Basari, Mursalan, Bisan ibn Sahih anhu. And one of them is from a sahabi, Abu Dhar radiyallahu anhu, and the other is from Hassan al-Basri. Hassan al-Basri was a tabi, not a sahabi. That hadith is Mursal. And we talked about Mursal, you know, in our discussions, but today we didn't mention it. And we said that a Mursal hadith is a hadith which, which what? Mursal hadith is the hadith which has a break after after the tabi, after the tabi. Yani a tabi is a student of Sahaba. He didn't meet the Prophet وسلم, right? That means he has to say, I heard from a Sahabi who heard from the Prophet If a tabi says, Qala Rasulullah How can he say so? He didn't meet the Prophet That means there is a break here. When a tabi reports directly from the Prophet, then that means it is Mursal. And that hadith is rejected because there is the possibility that the person who is missing is a Sahabi, which if we are sure it's a Sahabi, we will accept it. But it may not be a Sahabi. It may be a Tabi that you heard of someone who heard of from a Sahabi. Yani, a Mursal hadith, it has two possibilities. One, that the missing link is a Sahabi, in which case we would accept it. But the other possibility is that maybe the Tabi, he didn't hear from a Sahabi, but he heard from another Tabi, if he was, especially if he was a young Tabi. And he heard from an older Tabi, who met a lot of the Sahaba, who heard from a Sahabi. Then that means, in that case, there's the possibility that though the Sahabi is accepted without question that the Tabi are not. Some of them are good reporters and some of them are not. So in this case, because of the doubt, the Mursal Hadith is generally considered under the category of weak and is rejected, except, any, as we discussed in the long discussion about the differences of opinion amongst the scholars concerning the Mursal Hadith and the opinion of Imam Shafi, rahimahullah, concerning the Mursal Hadith and its conditions. In any case, there are two supporting narrations. One is from Abi Dhar, and the other one is from Al-Hasan al-Basri, rahimahullah, Mursal, but the chain that is reported in this narration from, Mur- from uh, uh, Al-Hasan al-Basri, it is an authentic chain, meaning that the reporters who are there are all reliable and acceptable reporters. Then he says, and it also has a third shahid, another supporting narration which was mentioned by Al-Fayroz al-Abadi in his book Al-Rad al-Mu'atharibin al-Ibn al-Arabi. Yani, a book that was a refutation uh, a book of refutation. In that uh, book, he mentions another uh, uh, report, which is also a supporting evidence, and that hadith is from an Imam al-Nasai, from Anif, radiallahu anhu, and he said, then he said, after reporting that, that report, he said, وَهَذَا حَدِيثٌ صَحِيحٌ okay? The third supporting narration, it, it was considered as a authentic report. Here, Shaykh al-Bani, after mentioning three shahids, or three shawahid, supporting that hadith which only had a minor weakness. That minor weakness was one of the reporters 
has not been certified, except by Ibn Hibban, which is not really strong certification, but it's still certification. It is supported by other uh, supporting evidences, which raises up to be an acceptable hadith. Here the Shaykh says uh, that in some of the copies, you know the books used to be handwritten, not like today they're printed in a printing press, but they used to be handwritten. So there are sometimes differences in the various manuscripts, the handwritten manuscripts of the books of hadith. He said that in some of the narrations or in some of the copies uh, or the manuscripts of Sunan At-Tirmidhi, this hadith has been mentioned in the Musnad of Ali ibn Abi Talib radiallahu anhu uh, as a Musnad hadith, yani a hadith not Mursal as reported from Hassan al-Basri but as a Musnad hadith from Ali ibn Abi Talib uh, and it has been referred to as such by Al-Munzari as well as Al-Khatib Al-Tabrizi who attributed it to At-Tirmidhi. Then he says, yani, there is some further discussion of this hadith. The Shaykh al-Dani says this, Rahimahullah, in Mishkat al-Masabih, hadith number 920. Uh, so this hadith, after this discussion, we can see how a hadith which has a minor defect, due to which we are in doubt about its authenticity. And we are careful not to attribute to the Prophet wasallam any report, unless we are certain that it is really authentic. For this reason, that hadith would have been uh, questionable, except that there were reporting chains of narration, reporting the same meaning, and therefore the Shaykh said this hadith is Sahih. Sahih لغيره. Sahih لغيره. The next hadith, which is brief, and the discussion is brief, inshallah, I'll try to quickly go through it. Hadith number six. It has been translated, may the nose of someone be pressed on the ground, pressed in the dust, in the dirt. And it is an expression used as a suggestion of displeasure. Danny, displeasure. That there is displeasure with a person who I am mentioned in his presence and he doesn't say Allahumma salli ala Muhammad. And it is similar to the previous hadith. So the wording is a little different. The meaning is the same. It's talking about the displeasure of the one who doesn't make dua for the Prophet when he is mentioned in the presence. The Shaykh also says this hadith is Sahih. It's reported by At-Tirmidhi in volume 2, page 271, Al-Hakim Al-Mustadrak, from the hadith of Abu Huraira, Marfu'an bihi. From the hadith of Abu Huraira, radiallahu anhu, Marfu'an, attributed to the Prophet And that hadith has some complete, more complete wording, and a more extensive metin or text in At-Tirmidhi which in that other narration it says وَرَغِمَ أَنْفُ رَجُلٌ دَخَلَ عَلَيْهِ رَمَضَانِ دَخَلَ عَلَيْهِ رَمَضَانِ and the displeasure is upon the man who Ramadan comes while he is living دَخَلَ عَلَيْهِ رَمَضَانِ as Ramadan is about to come now for us ثُمَّ إِنْ سَلَخَ قَبْلَ أَنْ يُغْفِرْ لَهُ and that month of Ramadan went away without him being forgiven yani he didn't do what you should have done in Ramadan because Ramadan is a chance for all your sins to be forgiven. So what about the person who Ramadan came and it went and he didn't earn forgiveness? And this is a person who has really lost. وَرَغِمَ أَنْفُ رَجُلٌ أَدْرَكَ عِنْدَهُ أَبَوَاهُ الْكِبْرَ فَلَمْ يُدْخِلَاهُ الْجَنَّةِ And likewise, the person who his parents reach old age. He witnessed his parents reach old age. And they didn't cause him to enter the paradise. Yani, he didn't treat them in the way that he should have treated them in their old age, which would have earned him paradise. But even though he had the chance just to honor his parents and treat them well, and he would have earned paradise, but he didn't do it. So likewise, this person is in a bad condition. The one who Ramadan comes and passes and he didn't earn forgiveness, and the one whose parents reach old age while they are living, and they didn't enter paradise. So he says that... Uh, At-Tirmidhi said this hadith is Hassan Gharib Hassan Gharib Hassan meaning that the hadith is less than Sahih and Gharib meaning that the hadith came with one chain but it has supporting evidences from the hadith of Kaab Ibn Ajra Marfu'an bi Tamami yani, there is another narration from Kaab Ibn Ajra which is attributed to the Prophet وسلم, with this complete text or method and this hadith has been supported by Al-Hakim in volume 4, page 153, who said, Sahih al-Isnad. Al-Hakim said, Rahimahullah, 
that this hadith, the supporting one for it, is Sahih al-Isnad. In consideration of the chain of narrative, it appears to be Sahih. وَوَافَقَهُ الزَّهَبِ And Imam al-Zahabi rahimahullah agreed with al-Hakim that it was Sahih al-Isnad. وَفِي إِسْحَاقِ إِبْنِ كَعْرِ إِبْنِ أَجْرَى But in that chain, there is a narrator named Ishaq, the son of Ka'ab ibn Ajra. And as Zahabi said in his book concerning the narratives of Hadith, the reports of their biographies and their status as narratives, in his book Al-Mizan, and he has a number of books concerning the narratives of Hadith, from amongst the most important of them is Al-Mizan, as Zahabi rahimahullah said in Mizan, that this, the son of Ka'ab ibn Ajra, that he is Mastur. Mastur. Mastur is like Majhul al-Hal, yani someone who though a number of people reported from him, and we know something about his outward character, but he didn't have accreditation from anyone. This is what Azahabi said, he was Mastur, وَقَالَ الْحَافِظِ مِنِ الْحَافِظِ بِنْ حَجِرِ أَسْكَرَانِي مَجْهُولْ الْحَافِظِ You see how Azahabi and Ibn Hajar is similar terminology for the same person. One of them said he was Mastur, and the other said he was Majhul al-Hav, which means that two or more people narrated from him, but he didn't have credibility. And as I said, these two terminologies, Majhul al-Hav and Mastur, are similar in meaning and sometimes used interchangeably. Whereas Majhul al-Ain means only one person narrated from him, and this person, his narration wouldn't be accepted. Finally, the Shaykh says, وَلَهُ شَوَاهِدْ أُخْرَى ذَكْرَهَا النُّنْغْرِي فِي التَّرْغِيبِ And this hadith also has a number of other supporting narrations which have been mentioned by Al-Munghari. Book At-Targheeb, volume 2, page 283. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika, shalom la ilaha illa anta, wa tuba alayk. Inshallah, after that, then, if there are some questions or comments or corrections, inshallah, let's take five minutes or so just to talk about what we mentioned today. Anything that's not clear or something that requires further explanation? Okay, at least one of the things that should be very clear today is the discussion concerning those reporters who did not receive certification or credibility. Those who only one narrative reported from them, that is Majhul al-Ain. And those who at least two or more reported from them but without giving them credibility, saying that they were reliable, acceptable reporters, and that's Majhul al-Hal. And similar to that is al-Mastur. Al-Mastur is from the word Satara, to be covered or screened, Satar. Mastur is the one who is covered, screened. We don't really know what's behind the screen. So we don't know if he's acceptable or not. This is the linguistic meaning of it. That means that even though, generally, in general, every Muslim, we consider him to be uh, of good character in general, unless we see something else. Yeah, I mean, nobody should be accused of something without there being some open, obvious proof that they have done something wrong. A Muslim's character is protected. If we don't know him, we assume that he's of good character. That's in general in Islam. But in narrating of hadith, in the narration of hadith, this is in riwayah. In narration of hadith, the scholars said that for the preservation of the Sharia, preservation of the Sunnah, which is an essential part of the Sharia, then we have to, we take a different stand. That the character of a person is not assumed to be acceptable just because we don't know anything bad about him but somebody has to certify him this extra measure is only in accepting narration from somebody in hadith it doesn't mean that because we don't accept your report that we consider you as being evil but it means that we are not sure so we don't accept your report so here there's the outward thing that we see which is accepted in general in Islam and our dealings with people but there's also further knowledge that's required in order for us to accept the report of a person and this is what is referred to here by the outward and inner character of the person meaning that somebody who knows that person well not just seeing him walking in the street going to the masjid but they know about him, they lived with him, they talked with him, they walked with him they studied with him and they know about him well then that person says this one is different a reliable person in terms of his character so there's two parts of Adala or acceptability of the person is that their character has to be good and also their accuracy in reporting their memory. But here we are talking about one side of it, that is the person's character, the open character which is known to everybody and that's for dealing with people in general. We accept them as long as we don't see them doing anything bad 
And then there's the other character that can only be known when somebody spends time with you. Then that person is the one who says, I certify him. You know that this person is good and we accept reports from him. So this is not known from the person who's called Masur. There's something known that in general on the surface he appears to be okay. But nobody really knows him well in private and I mean other kinds of circumstances other than what you just see. You saw the person in the market, he looked nice. You saw him in the nasty sometimes, he seems like a good person. But only the people who know him well in his home and in his private affairs and in his business doings, they will tell you, yeah, you think he's a good Muslim, but we know how he really is. He's a cheater, he's a embezzler, he's a criminal, he beats his family. But you don't know that. You just see him coming to the masjid. There are some people who pray five times in the masjid and they abuse their workers and they don't pay them their salaries. You see? But we don't know that. We just see him in the masjid. He's okay to me. But in accepting him as a report of hadith from the Prophet we have to know more about him. So that credibility is what we're talking about, is absent in the maskur or the matrul al That's what we're talking about. Now, the one who does the criticism, the people who did the criticism are the scholars of hadith. The scholars of hadith. And they are classified into different categories as we said. Those who are mutashaddid, who are very, very stern and stiff and strict. And those who are more attentive, who are, yeah, I mean, balanced in between, who consider both sides evenly, and those are mutasahir. Mutasahir, too easy. They easily give accreditation to everyone. And that's why the scholars, they looked at those who gave credibility, the scholars who were known for this, who were known for knowing about the biographies and the details of the life of the person, and examining their reports and comparing them to other people who were known to be real reporters, were they reporting the same thing, were they contradicting them, in order to determine if that person was acceptable or not, those people are classified in a different categories. Ibn Haddam is from the third category, Al-Mufasayah. And that's why the Sheikh said that nobody gave credibility to this narrator, Abdul ibn Ali, or Abdul ibn, ibn Hussein. Nobody gave credibility except Ibn Haddam. Ibn Haddam is from Mufasayah level of those who give accreditation. So the accreditation from the people of that level is not given that much weight. Though it has some weight, but it's not really sufficient. If somebody from the middle level, like Imam al-Bukhari, he's from the Mu'atadilun, if you give him credibility, then you would accept his hadith. And the Mu'atadilun, those who are very strict and stern, if they give credibility, there's no question about it. We know that they don't say anybody is thicker unless they really examine them carefully and know that this person is very, very strong. How do give anybody credibility on that level of thicker? So when they accredit with somebody, you know for sure it's okay. So this is, uh, this is the way that we know that the people who gave them accreditation, how we know that they know what they're talking about? Because even those who give accreditation, they have also been examined and scrutinized. And it has been determined whether they are of those who are easygoing, or those who are very sick and stern, or those who are balanced in the middle. And we know about them very well. These people who give accreditation, they are the biggest of scholars of hadith. They are the biggest of scholars of hadith. And they know about the biographies of the scholars, uh, of those who married hadith, all about their life. When they were born and when they died, who were their students, who were their teachers, about their character, about their memory, what are the hadith that they narrated, and which books their hadith were collected, all of this is known. And after examining this, an evaluation is made to determine them as being scepter or whatever, any category they may be given, guidance or otherwise. Any other questions? No. In some societies, even the, the, the type of behavior that is acceptable or unacceptable in the society is considered by some scholars as a determining factor whether or not they accept hadith from someone. Not to mention if they're doing something that's illegal in Islam. And even, for example, in some societies, in some uh, Muslim societies in the past, and perhaps even today, it's not yani, considered as good behavior. Not haram or halal, but good behavior for a person to walk down the street holding their white hand, for example, in public. That's considered acceptable behavior. So if a person was seen doing that, some people would say, no. This person is makhroom and maru'ah. I mean, the behavior that's acceptable, or the conduct that's acceptable in behavior, he has violated it. So that's a point against him. What about if a person is known to lie? Not lie in hadith, fabricating hadith, but known in their dealings with people they tell lies. Then uh, they wouldn't be accepted. If a person is known to be doing some things privately in their house, 
For example, they beat their wife, or they abuse their children, or something like this. Or they are drinking wine, or using some kind of intoxicants or something. And certainly you will be against them. This is a, a point against their character. And listening to music, of course, even though there is difference of opinion about it amongst the contemporary scholars, but really, if you examine the opinions of both sides, it becomes clear that uh, listening to music is prohibited in the Sharia. And the clear hadith concerning this, it is mentioned by Imam Bukhari, Ta'alikan, Mu'allaq, without a complete chain, but Al-Hafiz ibn Hajar al-Qurani, Rahimahullah, there's many other chains of narration for that hadith. This is a hadith in which the Prophet Sallallahu said that in the last days, people from amongst my ummah, some of them would declare as lawful, what they consider as lawful, al-khir, wal-harir, wal-khamr, wal-ma'ajr. That is, silk. And, uh, I mean, illegal sexual intercourse and silk and intoxicants and musical instruments. That hadith is sahih. This means that if there are some people who will tell in the end of time declaring these things as lawful, it means that they are not really lawful, but they will make them to be as lawful. As today some people are saying, entrance is lawful. They call it by another name, and they said this one is lawful. And they said this type of intoxicant is lawful, and this type of thing is lawful. No, it's not lawful. So in the last days, many things were to haram. Some of the Muslim people would declare them to be lawful. And this hadith is a proof that musical instruments is forbidden Islam, except if there is a proof for any particular instrument or any particular occasion in which it may have been allowed, such as the dust, if the Prophet Sallallahu allowed for the women only on the occasion of Eid or yani, uh, celebration. Ayyub, you have a question? It looks like... If the Islam is complete and appears to be authentic, here we will look at the matter of the Hadith and compare it with other reports from the Prophet dealing with the same topic. Is it in agreement with that which we know to be authentic or is it contradictory? Is it in agreement with the Quran or the basic qawaid or principles that are well known in Islam or does it contradict them? And this type of Hadith which though the Islam appears to be authentic, but it may have in the text of the hadith that which is unacceptable, contradicting basic, a basic principle of Islam, it would be considered as a munka, a hadith munka. This is one of the definitions of munka hadith, that the text of it is contradictory to that which is well known in Islam. Basic principles of Quran or another authentic hadith, if it's contradictory to another authentic hadith, then it would be considered as shad. And a hadith which, though the narratives are thicker, reliable reporters, but it contradicts other hadiths which are more authentic, narrated by people who are more reliable. So if, it, if there is a contradiction, they think there is a contradiction in the revelation from Allah. So that means the one who has the, the claim that came with the more authentic report is accepted. And the one with the less authentic report is rejected. The one that is accepted is mahfuz, and the one that is rejected is shayat. So the looking at the matching of the hadith is one of the conditions for accepting hadith. The scholars didn't only look at the chain of narration, but they also used to look at the matching of the hadith and to see if it is in agreement with the basic things of Islam or in, in agreement with the Quran or in agreement with other hadith which are known to be reliable. Of it, or give some example of it in the future as we go along, 
there are a number of hadith like this where it follows. First, so that word was not a sign, but a mistake that was detected in the text. Then they looked through the Ismail, which appeared to be correct, and they searched for, where could that mistake have come from? And when they look and see that all of the rays are imam of hadith, and the big major scholars like the hadith, for example, the Ismail from Al-Imam Shafi, from Al-Imam Malik, because he was seen of Malik, from, from, uh, from, uh, uh, Salim, Ibn Umar, from Ali Ibn Umar, from the Prophet Salim. A hadith like this, all of these people are I mean, unquestionable in the accuracy and in the character. If a hadith had such narrative in the chain and somebody was less than them, then we look and we compare and we see, oh, then it has to have come from this person. And that's what they used to do. They used to look and see where is the weakest point in the chain. And that weakest point may be a good narrator in general, but the other people are much stronger than him, therefore they are mistaken with the to that person. And they would track it down by looking at his teachers and his students and who else narrated from the same church and see if there's a contradiction. Perhaps his faith had many students, and from amongst them 10 or 15 or 20 lives, this hadith also, through the same Islam from that faith on back, but going the other way, his students, each of them has students who are from them. So when we find this thing going to a certain point, we are at And at that point, we find that there is a difference in the report. When we know it's one of those people from that level, then we look at them and see. From amongst them could have possibly made this mistake or this error. And as I said, it's very meticulous. Perhaps we try to bring at least one example. I think Sheikh Mustafa al Adami, in his book, Hadith Mithraizi and Literature, may mention something like this. It's some of the books that I book, some of the books that we mentioned in the introduction. There's one book called Hadith Mithraizi and Literature. I think he gives at least one example in there. Otherwise, we can look at any of the books in the and see some examples for this, inshallah. Yeah, this book, some of the Hadith Mithraizi and Literature. I think there's an example in there, but it's not time to take it now because a lengthy discussion requires one. Perhaps you can photocopy the pages dealing with that and take it in the book so we can follow it when we do that discussion. Subhanakallahumma ibihamdika, sallallahu ilaha 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 ila